from the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio. This is In Black America. You know, my interest in high school and college was really physics. I loved physics. I used to do extra lab work on the weekends, just, and I was given the key to the lab and so on. But uh, I had uh, an aunt who, who said, you know, if you do physics, all you can do in Ethiopia is simply be a high school teacher. Why don't you go into medicine? You'll have all kinds of opportunities to look at. Uh, so uh, that was really why I, I went into, into medicine. Dr. Holly T. DeBoss, MD, Director Emeritus, University of California Global Health Institute, the Maurice Galante Distinguished Professor of Surgery Emeritus, Dean Emeritus School of Medicine, and former Chancellor, University of California, San Francisco. During Dr. Vaz's distinguished career, he has been a physician, researcher, teacher, and academic leader. For more than three decades, he has held positions at hospitals, medical centers, and universities in British Columbia, Canada, and this country. Dr. DeVos is recognized internationally for his contribution to academic medicine and is widely consulting on issues associated with global health. Also, he has served on the United Nations Commission on HIV-AIDS and Governance in Africa. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr., and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, Dr. Holly T. DeVos, former chancellor and dean at the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine, in black America. Having retired from medicine, from the deanship, I need uh, to uh, reinvent myself. And obviously, I always wanted to go back home to make a contribution. And so I saw this as an opportunity to go to the underdeveloped countries in East Africa to make a contribution. And, uh, and at the time, as you may know, in the U.S. and in Canada and Europe, there was this tremendous enthusiasm among students, uh, trainees, and young faculty for global health. From 1993 to 2003, Dr. Haile T. DeBoss was the dean of the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine. Under its leadership, a number of initiatives resulted in the school becoming a national model for medical education. Under his stewardship, the medical school established several interdepartmental and interdisciplinary centers of excellence, developed the UCSF AIDS Research Institute, and launched the UCSF Human Genetic Program. In 1963, Dr. DeBass earned his MD from McGill University and completed his surgical training at the University of British Columbia. In 1987, he became UCSF Chair of the Department of Surgery. Since 2003, Dr. DeBass has been an executive director of UCSF Global Health Science. On a suggestion from one of our listeners, we reached out to Dr. DeBass, and he agreed to speak with us from KQED Radio in San Francisco. That's a long title, Dr. DeBass. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Give us a background about yourself. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Eritrea, and then uh, I, I went to high school and college in Ethiopia, in Addis Ababa. They said that you were a pretty smart individual while you were in school. Well, I was fortunate. <laughs> I understand. 
I understand that when you were growing up, your elementary teacher gave you some words of wisdom? Yes. Well, uh, several words of wisdom. Uh, one of them is uh, to always ask questions. He told me there were no stupid questions, just stupid answers. And he always made us reach farther than we can. He says, don't, don't uh, settle for the average. You have to aim the, to the highest. I understand. I also understand that you wanted to be a jet fighter? As a child, <laughs> yes. I almost uh, joined the Ethiopian Air Force. My high school, the headmaster of, the, of my high school, just invited me to his office as the bus to take us to the Air Force was coming in. And he said, you're not going to the Air Force. <laughs> and that's that. So, so I didn't go. What sparked that initial interest in medicine? You know, my interest in high school and college was really physics. Mm -hmm. I loved physics. I used to do extra lab work on the weekends, just, and I was given the key to the lab and so on. But uh, I had uh, an aunt who, who said, you know, if you do physics, all you can do in Ethiopia is simply be a high school teacher. Why don't you go into medicine? You'll have all kinds of opportunities to look at. Uh, so uh, that was really why I, I went into, into medicine. Why did you select McGill in Canada over Harvard? Ah, <laughs> uh, be, because Harvard wanted me to do a qualifying year, uh, and I didn't want to spend another year. So I looked at Harvard and at uh, came at. Uh, McGill and Edinburgh, and I chose McGill because it was more like an American uh, medical school. And I also understand that you're also a researcher, so what area of research you also are, are involved in? Well, I had uh, two areas of research. One was basic research, and the other one was clinical research. The, my basic research was to uh, look at the physiology and biochemistry of peptide hormones in the gastrointestinal tract, particularly as they communicate with the brain, what we call then brain-gut axis. So that was my basic research. I had funding for some 25 years from the National Institutes of Health to do that. My clinical research had to do with uh, gastrointestinal surgery, uh, particularly surgery of endocrine tumors of the gut and uh, surgery of the pancreas, liver, and upper gastrointestinal tract. Prior to coming to the University of California, San Francisco, what were your other prior positions? Well, when I finished medical school at McGill, 
I intended initially to do medicine, but then I decided to do surgery because I thought surgery would give me better skills to go back home to contribute. So I went to surgical training at the University of British Columbia. And uh, when I finished there, I had uh, my the position that I was promised uh, in Ethiopia was no longer available. They said because of financial difficulties, but it turned out to be uh, because of political issues. I was from Eritrea, mm -hmm. and they were not, you know, they were actually discharging Eritreans from important positions in Ethiopia. So I had, I was on a student visa having refused uh, immigrant status in Canada when I finished medical school. And so uh, I had to go to, to the Yukon Territory uh, mm -hmm. to, to do a locum tenens for the surgeon there. There was only one surgeon in the whole territory, and he was going on uh, refreshing, refreshment courses. And uh, he didn't need uh, a, a visa, a work permit to go there. So I worked there and worked also in northern British Columbia. Following that, I joined the faculty at University of British Columbia. And in uh, when I knew that I was going to stay in in North America, I thought I was not competitive, and I had to do postgraduate work uh, in in research. And I went to UCLA to work under uh, Dr. Morton I. Grossman, who at the time was undoubtedly the leading uh, investigator in gastrointestinal physiology. Following that, I returned to University of British Columbia, and in 1980, I was recruited by UCLA uh, to gastrointestinal surgery. And I was at UCLA on the faculty then for about five years. And then I was recruited to the University of Washington as chief of gastrointestinal surgery. I was, only, I was there only two years when I was recruited to the University of California, San Francisco, as chair of the Department of Surgery. And uh, that was in 1987, and I have been at UCSF for the last 30 years. Yeah, I understand. If you're just joining us, I'm Johnny L. Henson, Jr., and you're listening to In Black America from KUT Radio, and we're speaking with Dr. Haile DeBass, M.D., Director Emeritus, University of California Global Health Institute. Dr. DeBass, when you went to UCSF, it wasn't really an ideal situation. You had to come in there and make some changes. Yes, the Department of Surgery had uh, several challenges, and it was necessary to to develop a strategic plan, an economic plan, a faculty compensation plan, and then uh, 
a way to fund uh, the residents who were promised two years of research in their surgical training. So that did happen, yes. Why was it important for you to add a liver transplantation specialty while you were initially there? Well, uh, you know, it was, uh, first of all, the gastroenterology department at UCSF and the hepatology department were extremely strong on the medical side. So we had no, and and transplantation was becoming very important and and it was clear the future of treatment of liver failure was liver transplantation. And UCSF had all the potential to be a great liver transplant surgeon. So it was my fortune to recruit Dr. Nancy Asher from the University of uh, Minnesota to start our liver transplant program. I want to talk about the other health initiative. First, the Comprehensive Cancer Center uh, that you founded, and then the Center for Integrated Medicine, and then last but not least, the Institute for Global Health. Yes. so the first, you asked about the, the Comprehensive, Comprehensive Cancer, Cancer Center. Center. Yes, sir. Here, too, you know, uh, you had a very powerful oncology and surgical oncology program, programs at UCSF, but no center to, to bring them together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I worked with the NIH, and we had uh, wonderful faculty, and we put uh, uh, a pro- proposal, and we've been funded since then. I don't know when it was, probably uh, 2003 or so, mm-hmm. as, a, as a comprehensive cancer center. And since then, it has become now, as you know, one of the leading uh, cancer centers in the world. So that was uh, the cancer center. And then uh, you asked about uh, the integrated integrated medicine. medicine. Yes, sir. Well, the integrated medicine was not my idea. Mm -hmm. It was the idea of of Mr. Bernard Osher, a major philanthropist uh, uh, in San Francisco and supporter of UCSF. He was interested that UCSF should have a holistic approach to the care of patients and suggested if we were interested, he would fund a center, which we now call the Osher Center for Integrative Medicine. My problem was UCSF was a hardcore science center known for its basic sciences, and I didn't know that the faculty would be happy to have this uh, integrative medicine center. But so I called all the chairs, both in the department, in the the clinical departments, in the basic science departments, and told them, we have this opportunity. Do you think we should do it? And to my amazement, it was the basic scientists that said yes. And I asked them why, and they said because we would have an opportunity 
to look at it rigorously, develop evidence for or against it. And uh, so we decided to develop the OSHA Center for Integrative Medicine. And as you may know, it's now a major center right. for integrative medicine. And finally, uh, you asked me about the... Institute for Global Health. Global Health. So I was uh, dean of medicine for 10 years, mm -hmm. and I had promised that I would return to Eritrea to start the first medical school. Unfortunately, the situation changed, and uh, I had a misunderstanding with the president of Eritrea, who decided not to implement the constitution or have uh, elections and so on. So I had to stay in the U.S., and I thought... Uh, uh, Having retired from medicine, from the deanship, I need uh, to uh, uh, reinvent myself. Okay. And obviously, I always wanted to go back home to make a contribution. And so I saw this as an opportunity to go to the underdeveloped countries in East Africa to make a contribution. And, uh, and at the time, as you may know, in the U.S. and in Canada and Europe, there was this tremendous enthusiasm among students, uh, trainees, and young faculty for global health. Uh, the enthusiasm was similar to what we saw uh, in, the six, in the early 60s during the Kennedy era when the Peace Corps program started. So the, combined with my interest in, in serving underdeveloped countries and this enormous enthusiasm by our students to, to do something in global health, I then asked the chancellor at the time if UCSF could have a global health institute. And he rapidly saw the the importance of that, and the university gave uh, startup funds, actually core funding, uh, which is going on until now. And the, the, the center uh, developed rapidly. There was a lot of enthusiasm from faculty and students. Uh, and uh, when I started, uh, we only had three people uh, in, in the office, uh, my assistant from the School of Medicine who moved with me to the center and uh, uh, my editor at the time. And uh, now I, I, I led that uh, as the executive director for 10 years and then handed it over to Dr. Jaime Sepulveda mm -hmm. who's now taken, taken it to the next stage and uh, now it has 300 uh, faculty, students, and staff, and has a research, an annual research budget of, of some 70 million. So it has been a major success. I was just uh, there uh, to start it, but I think a lot of the success of the program 
should go to all those people who worked at it and to uh, Jaime Sepulveda in particular. Is the Institute for Global Health a part of that uh, healthcare capacity worldwide? The university in Tanzania and the 100 universities around the country? Yes, you know, one of the achievements of the Institute for Global Health at UCSF was to help uh, create the the Consortium of Universities for Global Health called CUGH. They just had, uh, CUGH just had its meeting last weekend in New York. It's now the biggest global health uh, meeting in the world. Uh, it has, it attracts some over 1,800 people from 140, 50 countries to the meeting, and it has membership of 140 universities. So our center is part of that. And uh, and also one thing you alluded to, uh, we had partnership, academic partnership between UCSF and uh, Muhambili University in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And that partnership uh, lasted for eight, nine years. It was funded by the Gates Foundation, but it's still going on, actually. I just signed a letter to 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 apply for a grant from the NIH for another partnership with, uh, with Muhambeli. But it accomplished two very important goals. One was it really revolutionized the curriculum of the university from a post-colonial, old-fashioned curriculum. It's now competence-based curriculum that really is serving not only Mohambili but the whole of Tanzania. And secondly, our people helped, uh, and uh, you may have seen uh, an article last week in the New York Times about a young woman called Dr. Terry Reynolds, mm-hmm. who is uh, at WHO now. And she helped develop their emergency medicine program, the emergency room, a system for trauma care, and an emergency medicine residency. And also the Department of Surgery at UCSF has now a rotation force surgical residents and faculty in Muhambili. So it's still going on, uh, and we're very, we we have close friendship with the people in Muhambili, and uh, through them, we're trying to influence other uh, academic centers in the region. I understand. With the limited time that we have left, Dr. DeBaz, I know you're kind of proud because UC San Francisco has just been uh, recognizing selling in U.S. News uh, this year as one of the best graduate schools in the country. Yes. Uh, as you may know, uh, the School of Medicine has has been in the top five for many years, and uh, that's the same this year. And 
for a long time. Uh, and in research, of course, it's probably the number one or number two uh, major research uh, uh, grant receiver from the NIH. Uh, but our schools of nursing, pharmacy, and dentistry have for right. many years been in the top three, four uh, uh, schools. Uh, and yeah, UCSF, of course, has is particularly known for its basic sciences. And, uh, you know, we've had uh, three Nobel laureates. Uh, we think we have a couple on the, in the pipeline now. So it is. Uh, it's 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 really a remarkable place uh, to be in, and we have a new campus which is very exciting, and uh, it's a wonderful time at UCSF. Final question, Doctor Boz: Are you still concerned about higher education, particularly science education in Sub-Saharan Africa? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, some uh, 10 or more years ago, there was an article in the New York Times about how uh, the leading uh, sub-Saharan African universities have crumbled over the years. You know, when colonialism was uh, came down, uh, in the late 50s, uh, we had some top-rated universities like like Ibadan, like the University uh, Makerere in Uganda, and several others. Well, following that, these governments, the new, the, the second wave of leaders, uh, in the universities were not their priorities, so they crumble, and uh, and now they have to be rebuilt, and there is uh, we we're beginning to see uh, uh, improvements now, but it's going to take a long time uh, to for them to be to reach the uh, the standards they need to reach, and I think. U.S. Uh, uh, universities in many areas are helping, uh, as we did in Mohambili, are helping raise the standards uh, and uh, the quality of students, faculty, and their, their programs, the research, the clinical care. Uh, they're trying to raise that, those up, and I think that's a, a wonderful contribution. That's what I call the soft power of the USA. Dr. Holly T. DeBass, MD, Director Emeritus, University of California Global Health Institute, the Maurice Galante Distinguished Professor of Surgery Emeritus, Dean Emeritus, School of Medicine, and former Chancellor, University of California, San Francisco. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to future in Black America programs, Email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard us over. 
Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at KUT.org. Until we have the opportunity again for production assistant Delia Jones and technical producer David Alvarez, I'm John L. Hansen, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 300 West Dean Keaton Boulevard, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.